Good morning, good morning, Revolution Church. How are you guys doing today? Awesome, awesome. Can you just do that for me one more time? Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Highly favored. Highly favored. And deeply loved. So why do you always do that? Because I really want that to be who we are as a church. Isn't that good? Amen. That you would leave this place knowing that you are deeply, deeply loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? How many know he loves us, right? And how many have been working on what Pastor Scott was talking about? Wasn't he just a blessing last week? Wasn't he just great talking about blessing, being a power to bless others? That's awesome. Hey, are we streaming? Streaming live? Come on, let's welcome our studio or our, our online audience. Come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Revolution Church. So glad you guys are with us. We're launching a new series today called Better Together. Somebody say that out loud. Better Together. We are better together. You know, it is Super Bowl Sunday, and I am a football fan. And, you know, we thought about doing something for the Super Bowl, but we figured, you know, we would wait a year. Next year, we'll do something really big for the Super Bowl because we love it. And, and it's always an exciting time for those of us who love football and a sad time because it is the last football game of the season. Come on, you know, so, so we all get a little bit uh, pouty around here. But that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. All right, so starting this uh, relationship series, and I'm so grateful you guys are here. And it's not going to be a series... You know, like a lovey-dovey kind of, you know, I love my wife or I love this person kind of series. We might talk a little bit about that. But really, the entire series is really going to be more about if we really understand our vertical relationship with God, then we really can understand what it means to have horizontal relationship with others. Because that's where true Meet true relationships start, okay? So let's pray. Let's have a word of prayer. Let's invite the Holy Spirit in here because, you know, it's not what I have to say. It's all about what he has to say, okay? Father, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to minister the word of God. We always thank you, Lord, for the privilege to do so. Holy Spirit, I ask you to take over this vessel. I ask you, Lord, to just take over this service, take over the words that we would say. Let us leave here understanding what your word says about relationships and how we can have better ones. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, so first thing is we were all created to have relationships. Do you believe that today? Yes. And one of the reasons why we have a hard time with this is because so many of us have had bad relationships right? Bad. We've had situations where people spoke negative words over us or situations where people took advantage of us, people hurt us, and people uh, uh, wrecked us. We've all experienced this. And so what we do is we shut down and we, we build a little wall around ourselves, and we just work on us being whole. And we think that the relationship that we can have is just with me, myself, and I because we move into this protective mode. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? And then sometimes because we've had bad relationships, we start there. And then sometimes, you know, we don't want to have a relationship because people have issues. Have you ever heard that before? Oh, I can't get involved with that group of people because those people have issues. And then that person has issues. I've got great news for you. I have issues. Come on. How many know we all have issues? If you don't think you have issues, that is the issue. 
We all have issues. And that's the beauty of being in a relationship, especially one where, where you can understand people and, it's, and, and, and it is beneficial and it is consistent and it's loving and it's kind and it's unconditional that you can bring your issue to the table and it not matter. And just maybe you find the right relationship where you start having less issues. How many of know that's good, right? Less and less issues. And here's the reason why this is kind of so important because, man, we live in the most loneliest time in all history with all the social media that we have available to us, with every, every aspect of things that we can do online, with, 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 with this bad boy right here. Come on. How many of you know this is an amazing tool right here? Do you, you really don't understand it's an amazing tool. I can start my car with this thing. Come on. I can open my garage with this thing. Did you know you could do that? I control the thermostats with this thing in my house. This is amazing. Boy, you guys got to really get on the technology bug over here. This is really cool. I can control you with this thing. Did you know that? Control Revolution Church laughter button. Did you know that I can do that? All right. This is amazing. And so, but you know, as awesome as this piece of device is, this amazing thing is, 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 is we think we can have a relationship with this guy. Nothing beats having a relationship with another individual that you can see face to face. That's a great place to say amen, somebody. All right, so we get caught in this, but I will tell you this. I tell my kids all the time, you know, I don't want you spending too much phone time. I don't want you spending too much time, you know, on your phone with games and movies and stuff like that, but I'm okay if you FaceTime. I love FaceTime. Don't you just love FaceTime? So I know Jeannie's missing you right now, so I'm just going to FaceTime her right now. Is that okay? Hey, babe, how are you? Man, you look great. Now, I didn't know you did that for me, but I know you did it for them. Come on. Say, hey, what's up, Jeannie? Come on. My letter here, you guys said, I'm blessed. Come on. Highly favored. I'm deeply loved. Okay, babe, I got to go. You're interrupting my sermon. I love you. All right, see you. Bye. All right. Amazing, amazing. This is amazing. And, and I love FaceTime. We FaceTime all the time. And so, but we do live in one of the loneliest times in all history. In fact, you are the sum tum of lump. You are the lump sum. <laughs> or you are the total sum, I should say, of your relationships. That's you are who you are by the people you hang out with. It's just a fact. And here's something else really interesting. Barna Research did an amazing study 25 years ago, they said the average American had seven friends. And 25 years later, we would say two and a half. I don't know how you have two and a half, but that's what they say. It probably has something to do with this right here. So. But isn't it amazing? We, with all the technology, with all the social media, with all of the devices that are available to us, we have less and less friendships. And I just believe God wants to change that in our life. And I believe there's a biblical model. I want you to read a scripture with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Let's take a look at this. Uh, verses 9 and 10. It's going to be our foundation scripture for this series. All right. Notice what it says. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. How many of you can see a win in that? If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And there's a lot of people in real trouble today. 
Antonio Brown, famous NFL player, he's in real trouble because nobody's there to help him. Some of us have experienced some of the things that we've experienced because there wasn't somebody there to help us. But on the other hand, I got news to, for you today. The times that I was at my lowest, there are people in this room who was there to help me up. Come on. Amen. And that's the whole purpose of this, relationship, of this relationship series. We are better together because when we are better together, we can achieve a lot more. And a lot of us know we need to be in a relationship. We know we should be in a relationship. And a lot of us want to be in a relationship. But because of some of these bad experiences, I believe we find ourselves hesitant. And we, we find ourselves hedging and we find ourselves really falling back into that safe place that me, myself, and I, we're really okay. And I want you to know it's not okay. It isn't. God has designed you to be in relationship with others. God has designed me to be in relationship with others. And it is the enemy, the enemy that wants to isolate us. The enemy wants to get us to think that, that people don't like us or that I can't have a relationship or, I, or, or those people have issues and I don't want their issues coming on me. Come on, somebody. It's the enemy that gets us to think we're going to isolate ourselves and I'm going to be away and I'm going to just do my own thing. I'm telling you, that is enemy thinking because when you are isolated, we become an easy target. But when we are together, we are better together. All right, and so I want to talk about this a little bit because there, we can either pursue a biblical model of relationship, which I'm going to present to you today, that I, I believe the Bible has some really cool things to say, or, or the other side of this is we could let culture define how we pursue relationships, okay? But the reason why I have a hard time with letting culture define our relationships is because culture is always changing. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Can, can I just, just tell you about a, a, a few things, how culture just changes, and you have to be careful. So my kids, they're at the kitchen table, we were talking about a party that they were at, and they were just, you know, hunched over their phone, and they were texting their friends, they were FaceTiming their friends, and they were having a great time, and they were talking about this party they were at the night before, okay? And so I was in the kitchen just doing some other things, kind of overhearing, just, you know, you know when they were having a good time, I was kind of having a good time, just, just watching that from the peripheral. And so one of them says, oh my gosh, that's dope! And I went, what do you mean that's dope? What, what are you talking about? You were at party, dope? Dad's got to get involved over here. Come on. So I went over. Like, what are you talking about, Dad? Show me that picture. I want to see. They're like, what are you talking about, Dad? Dope. You said there was dope at that party. I need to see dope. Come on. Dad, that's not what dope means today. Come on. And they went on to explain what dope means. And I'm like, I am a real dope. Come on. Because if you let culture define something, it's always changing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So I was thinking more about this, okay? I want to show you this picture. Tell me, tell me if some of y'all can relate to this. Take a look at this picture, all right? So what's so funny about that? Cool. I mean, this is, this is how people dress today. This is, some people go to business meetings like this. Some people go to school like this. Some people go to church like this. I actually think this is a cool look. I really do. I don't know if it's a good look for me, but I actually think it's a cool look, okay? But I got news for you. If I would have dressed this way in high school... When I went to high school, come on, what would have happened to me? All right, there's no way I would, culture changes. There's no way I could have gone into my corporate business meetings looking like that when I first graduated college. They wouldn't have taken me serious. Now, listen, if you like to dress this way, that's totally cool. Like I'm, I'm saying to you, I think that's actually a really cool look, and maybe one of these days I'm going to show up that way, okay? But if, <laughs> he said, ooh. 
Ooh, ooh. So, so here's the deal. Where's Steve? Steve will tell me if it's good or not. Where's Benedict? So, is he out in the hallway again? All right. Steve, if you're, I know you're watching us online, so you're busted, buddy, okay? All right, so here's the deal. Steve will tell you if it's dope or not. Come on. All right. Okay, so I just believe that there's a biblical model, a true biblical model that we can pursue when it comes to having the kind of relationships that God has for us. Okay, and I just believe if we go back to the Bible that doesn't change, that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know that culture would like to say it's an outdated book and it's not for today, but I want to tell you something. The Bible is alive. And the Bible is so real, and the Bible can be uh, taken in such a way that it can bring life to every situation that we face, including learning how to have good, whole relationships. All right, so in order to do this, um, we have to go back to the beginning. And here's I'm going to need a little help from you guys today. We have to go back to the book of Genesis, talking about the beginning and, and what God said about some things in his creation. Because we really want to get to the bottom of how to have accurate relationships and how to have a good vertical relationship as it relates to our horizontal relationships. So let's just go back to the beginning, okay? And so I'm going to go through these. I'm just going to read these for the sake of time. So let's, let's just... You know, read this, because when God created the world, all right, he said it was good, all right? So Genesis 1, 3, God created light, and then he said it was good, all right? Genesis 1, 10, God called dry land earth, and he said it was, come on, good. Genesis 1, God brought grass, herbs, trees, and said it was good. All right, Genesis 1, God made the firmament, the heavens, to give light on the earth, and he said it was Genesis 1, 21, God made the creatures of the earth, and he said it was good. Then let us, Genesis 1, 26, let us make man in our image, and God said it was no. Come on, somebody. When God made you, he said you are very good. Isn't that awesome? You know why? It's because you and I were made in his image. This is awesome, you guys. So when he looked at you and created you, he said, you are very good. All right. So then he, so, so he goes on this discourse about good, 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 very good. All right. And then he goes on to uh, say something else in verse, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, which I think is very cool. Genesis 2, 18 says this, then the Lord God said for the first time, it is not good for the man to be alone. Uh-oh. Who said it? Who said it? It is not good for the man to be alone. God said it. God said it. It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him or one who is just right for him. Some of you guys know the story. God put Adam asleep and he put him asleep and then he pulled a rib out of Adam and out of the dust with that rib he made Eve. How many know that story, right? Awesome. And I just believe when Adam woke up, I love this. When Adam woke up, remember he says it's not good for the man to be alone and he wakes up and he sees this woe man next to him. He says, and actually, <laughs> actually in the Hebrew, the word is ish. Somebody say ish. ish. I could just picture Adam. He wakes up. Ish. Hey, God, is this for me? <laughs> Come on. 
All right. You have to let me get back to my sermon over here. So I want you to see this. Relationships was God's idea. He said it's not good to be alone. And when we believe the lie that it's okay to be depressed because you don't have any friends, you don't have anything to do, I know what that feeling was like graduating college and not having friends and, and me and the local Chinese store got to be really good friends on Friday night. And we sweet and sour pork. I don't do pork anymore, but, you know, sweet and sour pork with fried rice every Friday night. And we didn't have streaming capabilities back then. We had to go down to the local video store and get VHS videos. Come on, somebody. With the big, you know, and, and so I'd watch these old reruns. I mean, because I didn't have any friends. And I was lonely. And you're just told that this is how you fix the loneliness. Come on, somebody. We're better together. All right. So, but I just believe there's a biblical model right here that can help us to understand how to have whole relationships. All right. Now, so we just said this. Good, good, good. You are very good. Then God says it's not good for a man to be alone. All right. So then he makes Eve. All right. That's funny. And that's awesome. So, but here's what I want you to see. What was Adam doing before God said it's not good for the man to be alone. I think you're going to find this very interesting. Look at this in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. Watch this. Now, this is before God said it's not good for the man to be alone, right? Genesis 2.15. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So he creates Adam, and he places him in the garden. Remember, this is, very, this is important to understand. It's the man that God made in his image, right? So he places him in the garden, the man he made in his image, to tend it, to watch over it, to take care of it, all before he had a relationship. This is interesting. He had, all, he had to do this all before he entered into a relationship. And I just believe there are three things in this scripture that can help us to understand how to have a whole relationship. I think all of us, I'm telling you, there's some truth and some revelation here that I believe that can really help us. That if you're in a dysfunctional relationship or if you're in a friend group or, or you're, you're in a group that's not accepting you or whatever, I just believe this scripture can really help us to identify a few things that would be a great blessing to us. Right? So the first thing I want you to see here is this. Let's read it again. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden. He placed him. That's really important. God placed Adam in this garden. And here's what I want you to see. And this is really, this is really awesome. This is really awesome. Because Adam didn't have anything else to compare to because he was the firstborn, right? First created man. He had, he had nothing to compare to. He just accepted the place that he was in. And so I think one of the first traps we have when it comes to understanding relationships and understanding how to have a whole relationship is that we constantly are questioning the place that we're in. See, what if, just what if, God placed us in the situation that we're in right now? What if there's a reason for the exact place that you're in? Because people are always guessing, am I in the right place? Am I in the wrong place? Is this the right friend group? Is this the right school? Is this the right? We're constantly questioning the place that we're in. I talk to people all the time about this. I don't know. I wonder sometimes, am I in the right place? Are you with me? But I just got to wonder. I just got to wonder. 
if we could stop questioning the place that we're in, and maybe the place that you're in right now is the exact place you're supposed to be because God has something special and something for you to get while you're in that place. So instead of guessing, am I in the right place? Am I in the wrong place? What if we just embrace the place that we're in right now? Oh, man, that was really good. Come on, that was not in my notes. Come on. What if we just embrace the place that we're in? What if we just embrace that situation? Because here's the next thing that happened, okay? So he has this place, and then he had a purpose in that place. He had to tend the garden. Gotta wonder, gotta wonder if you're in this place in preparation for the purpose that God has for you. Come on. Get on a wonder if you're in the place that you're in because God is preparing you. He's forming you. He's doing something inside of you that you can't see in preparation for something that he has for you. Oh, man, that's a great place to say amen right there. Because you know what I'm saying is true, and all of us have been there. You know, I wasn't going to share this, but I just have to right now. You know, a lot of you guys know that, that I, was, I was raised in business, and I'm also still in business today, okay? And, um, and so, but being raised in business, we always had unique opportunities to do different odd jobs around business. One of my favorite jobs is be the toilet plunger. Man, come on, somebody. I know that sounds gross and nasty, but that's what I did. Come on. And so, I know you don't think it's true, but it's true, okay? So, I, you know, in fact, I'm a, I'm a terrible toilet plunger man. Don't, don't ever call me to plunge your toilet because I am terrible at it, okay? So a good disclaimer right there. Okay. All right, so, but uh, one of our jobs was leasing, okay? So it was leasing apartments and leasing properties. And so, and, and basically, you know, when you have a large property and you are the main contact to the people and the residents and, or new residents, and so you, you basically are the shepherd of the property, okay? Well, I... I am God's man with an accounting degree, business degree, master study, and, and I, I'm the one that meets with the brokers, and I'm the one that meets with the attorneys. I'm the one that sits at the table and negotiates and gets these best deals because I am the one who had the education for it. But when this little leasing position opened up in the company and the family said, you know what, it's the slow season. We really don't want to hire anybody. We want you to do this job. And I just said, Nah, come on. Now, I know, I know, I know we got a good thing going on here as a church and stuff like that, but back then, I was just like, that job is beneath me. I taint doing it. Okay? Well, wait a minute. Your brother did it. Your sister did it. Your dad did it. Your brother-in-law did it. Everybody in your family has done it by you. I'm not doing it. No? So guess what happened? I did it. Come on. <laughs> it was that or leave, right? It was, you know. So and I remember the place that I was in. Now, and I hope this ministers to you guys, because you can embrace the place that you're in, or you could do it kicking and screaming. I did it kicking and screaming. 
I did it making everybody miserable. You know, I was that guy that made everybody miserable. Nobody wanted to be around me because I went to work with a chip on my shoulder. I went to work as if this leasing job is beneath me. Dealing with these 266 crybabies in this place is beneath me. Come on. Am I talking to anybody here today? Amen. All right, and so, and so I found myself just, just, just loathing this job and just, 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 you know, the systems were disorganized and whoever designed these systems needs to go to college or something and just everything in this role is just dumb. I, I meet with accountants. I meet with CPAs and attorneys and brokers. I'm jet set looking at all these problems. I've got a lease right now? Are you kidding me? I was in a place that I was not embracing. And so I went to work every day, moaning, groaning, grumbling. And then I can't tell you what happened, but something changed on the inside of me. And I just said, you know what? I'm either going to embrace this thing or I'm going to keep complaining all the way through it. And something, listen to this, this is a good little nugget. Something inside of me just said, you know what? I think if I keep complaining all through this process, this process is going to last longer. I just wonder if I embrace this place, maybe I can cut the time short. So with that motivation, I decided to dive into my job because I just wanted to get out of it. And then something happened inside of me. Something started to change. I actually started enjoying changing the systems. I actually started enjoying talking to the residents. I actually started enjoying what I was doing. In fact, it got so, I started to enjoy it so much. I'll never forget it, it was Christmas Eve one night and we were, we were, uh, uh, one unit away during that season of being 100% occupied, and I was going to go meet somebody on Christmas Eve that was coming in from Chicago to lease my last unit. And the family couldn't believe they were doing this big Italian Christmas Eve party, and I was going to leave to go lease this apartment. I mean, that's how vested. I, I went from kicking and screaming to being so vested. Well, I got news for you. Shortly after that, you know, I, I ended up having to start back into the other role, you know, looking at other properties and expanding and stuff like that. But then I thought about this. Can I just help you understand something, guys? God used that place to train me to be a pastor. And I didn't even realize it. What do you think those 266 people were? They were like sheep. That need, come on, somebody. They needed to be shepherd, shepherded. They needed to be watched over. So here I went kicking, complaining throughout the process but God had a purpose for me in that place. Just got to wonder if God has a purpose for you in the place that you're in right now. So remember, all before he had a relationship, he had a place and he had a purpose. Are you guys getting this? Now we're talking about building a foundation for having great relationships with others. Brace the place, being in your purpose and, if, and by the way, today we're doing step one, and you're going to hear about that later today. I want to invite you guys. Step one is the beginning of our step process here at Revolution Church where maybe you can start discovering some things about yourself and your purpose. I want to invite you to come out afterwards. It's 45 minutes right after the service. Lunch and child care is provided. We'd love to have you guys, okay? Why? We want to help you step into maybe a new purpose or redefine purpose, okay? So, but Adam had a place. He had the purpose, and then this is the part that I really want to zero in on, okay? Because I made it really clear, he was made in God's image, okay? So he went into his place, he went into his purpose with his correct identity, all right? And so here's where I think we get tripped up a lot, because we don't understand our identity. 
And when we, we ask ourselves, why did that relationship blow up? Why did that friend group blow up? Why am I not accepted of this particular group of people? I got to wonder, maybe it's because we don't understand our identity. And here's the deal. For Adam, there was nothing to get his identity confused with. He walked with God. It was him and the Lord. So there was nothing in his life to confuse his identity. Until that woman showed up. I never thought about saying that until just now. There was, there was nothing to confuse his identity. Think about this. Wouldn't it be awesome if there was nothing in your life that would mess with who you are and your identity? Here's, here's, what's, here's why this is really important, because you will never be comfortable in somebody else's identity. You will only be comfortable in the identity in the way God created you. And we run around trying to be somebody else, all right? It messes us up. I'll never forget this one. I started, remember, I already told you I was working in a leasing role and God started to deal with me about pastoring and stuff like this. And so I ended up working for a ministry in another state, traveled the world and, and, and started to understand some things that God wanted to do with me in ministry. And it was a big ministry and we were in different cities all the time. It was a pretty crazy situation I found myself in as a young man. And, and so I was just listening and just watching and I'd never been raised in this environment, but they, but they all said this. They said, and I picked this up, and just as being young and, and hungry and wanting to uh, uh, let God, you know, fill me and be who I was supposed to be, they always said, listen, if you're going to be a successful minister today, you have to know how to sing. I can't sing. We're a lick, man, I'm telling you. I mean, I can sing in the shower and in the worship team. They'll tell you that I can carry a tune, but just there's no way. No, I'm not a singer, so... And they said, and you can't be a minister today. You can't be a successful minister if you didn't sing. And you can't be a successful minister if you can't play an instrument. So I said, okay. So I went through, through my, my late 20s wanting to be a minister, wanting to do the things that I'm doing right now. But this label that they put on me, this identity that they put on me was crippling me. Are you with me? And so what I did was I said, okay. So I said, okay, if I, I want to be, I know God's calling me, so... If God's calling me, then I, I need to go learn how to sing. So I hired a voice teacher. This is so funny. Hired a voice teacher and went and, and, and went and took singing lessons. And it was probably the most embarrassing and most ridiculous thing I have ever done. Because when you sing, you've got to breathe right, right? And he, he's kind of a burly guy, and he's and he doing his lesson. And he was like saying, sing. So I'd start singing, but I wasn't singing from, from here. I was singing from here. I mean, no difference, right? And so whenever I would start singing, and he said, no, you got to sing from here. And he started punching me in the gut. Punch, and just kept, I mean, after the third time, I'm like, you know, I'm Italian. You don't punch Italians, okay? So I was, you know. So it was a disastrous situation. I was just, this singing business isn't for me. So then, you know what? I hired somebody to teach me how to play the piano. And so I sat there. I'm a plunker. Dun, 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 dun. And they put this music in front of me. And I'm looking at this music, and I'm going, this makes no sense to me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Those of you guys who are musicians, you know, you read that stuff. Oh, I got some musicians in here. They just do it in their sleep, man. That's hilarious. It's a gift. 
I wasn't gifted in this capacity. I'm just, and no matter how hard I tried. See, I was trying to let that identity come upon me. But you're never comfortable in somebody else's identity. you got to be comfortable in the identity that God made you. So I started to just realize this. I just wonder the place, the purpose, and the identity. These are the things that Adam had well before he had a relationship. Is somebody getting this in here today? And here's the deal. Why would we let somebody else try to label us with what they think our identity is when they may not even know their identity? Now you get the blind leading the blind. I want to show you this illustration because I, want to, I really believe why would you, why would we settle to be somebody else's identity when God has called you to be very, very special, when he's created this platform, we talk about the finished work of Jesus Christ here, that he paved a way for us to be in relationship with him, to have such a whole relationship with him. He paved this way. Why would we accept labels from somebody else? I want to do this, I want to do this illustration here, okay? All right, so just bear with me, okay? And so this is you. And these are the labels that we allow others to put on us. Okay, can you guys read that? Good. And so we go about our life and, and we hang out with a friend group or people and they say, man, you're dumb. I had a stuttering problem when I was in high school. And so the friends that I hung around with always called me stupid. They called me dumb. Man, you're just stupid. You don't even know the 50 states or whatever it was back then. I still don't know them. <laughs> you're just dumb. You're just, you're just a dumb jock, okay? And um, you know what? You, know, you, you were born in a rich family. You, you, had, you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. And I kept telling them, if I have a silver spoon someplace, I want it so I can sell it. Come on. So labels. Labels. You know, you know you're too fat. You know, you're, how about this one? You're, uh, you're too fat. You're too skinny. You're too short. You uh, don't have the right color skin. Your booty's not big enough. Come on, somebody. It's a big one today. I'm watching teenagers depressed over the size of their booty today. I'm like, I mean, guys, it's funny, but it really isn't. They've accepted a label. They, uh, you're divorced. You're married. You're bankrupt. You're too old. You're too young. You came from the wrong family. Somebody getting this here? Label, label, label. Label, label, label. And then we wonder why we're trying to have relationships with other people and we have everybody else's label on the inside of us. We just, we're just wondering why, why we're all messed up. We wonder why when I say I can't have a relationship because other people have issues. Or I can't have a relationship because uh, I've had bad ones. And so we've allowed the, this identity, we've allowed others to shape and mold our identity. But just what if 
What if there was a way to allow God to mold and shape our identity? What if there's a way for the Lord to fix all that? How many believe he can fix stuff, right? What if there's a way that, that we could surrender maybe what we think is our identity and accept the identity that he has for us? And here's how it comes. It comes by, by spending time with God. It comes by spending time with him. It comes by spending time in the word of God. It comes by spending time with a community of people who believe the same, who see the same. Are you guys with me? So here's, and here's what happens. All right, so the more you spend time with that community, this is, this is awesome, guys. This is real. I hope you guys get this. So we think our identity is solid, and we think that we are strong, and then we come in an environment like this, and we're saying, wait a minute. Even before Adam had a relationship, he knew his place, he knew his purpose, and he knew his identity, okay? So I just wonder if maybe some of the problems I've had with my relationships is because I didn't understand those things, and maybe that may be the case. And it's not an accident that you're here, because just what if God uses today and this opportunity today for us to start moving in the right direction? I believe that's what God wants to do here. And so what if you came in here and and you just started to spend time with God? And you just started to understand, you know what? God, God's love for me really is unchanging. It doesn't change. When he died on the cross for me 2,000 years ago, he had us on his mind. The Bible says he didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but he sent his son in the world to save it. If he's not condemning the world, why would he condemn a child of God? Are you with me? Maybe, just maybe you come around and you start hearing, wait a minute, maybe there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Just maybe that's true. Maybe it's true, like we said in communion earlier today, your sin and lawless deeds, he remembers no more. We're remembering our failures. We're remembering the disappointments. We're remembering the setbacks. But what if it's just really true that you get around an environment where it it really is true that he doesn't? And, and, And all this starts to affect our identity. Are you guys getting this? And so what, what if it's really true that, that, you know what, I know you might be divorced and I know you might feel unwhole, but what if it's really true that in God's mind, he doesn't see you unwhole. He doesn't see you broken. He sees you whole. He sees you special. What if that was really true and you just start hanging out in an environment like this and you start hanging out with some people like this that believe the same, that pray the same, and pretty soon what starts happening is, man, some of the, that negative label, all those negative labels, those things that people tried to put on us. And it, this is because the word of God is working inside you. The Holy Spirit's working inside you. The community of people that were hanging out here is working inside you. And those labels just start falling off. And all of a sudden, all of those things that crippled us and held us back, they just hang around the top and they ended up being completely gone. And you end up looking just like that. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, you can do that. You Go ahead. Gotta wonder if this is talking to any of us here. My identity was in leadership. My identity was in teaching the Bible and preaching the Bible. It wasn't in singing. It wasn't in playing an instrument. There's nothing wrong with somebody who can play an instrument. It wasn't my identity. It's not my identity to lead worship. It was my identity to do this. Oh, are you guys getting this here? 
And what happens is God wants every person in this room and anybody watching online to experience this wholesome, this wholeness. And then what happens is you stay so full by being in this environment that when someone tries to put something on you, Colin, that says, you know, you weren't born in the right family, it just hangs around the top. It can't get in you. Come on. You're full of God's word. You're full of what Jesus said about you, not what man has said about you. You are full of what the love that God has for you. You are full of God's unchanging love. You're full of everything the word of God says about you, and it's true. You're so full. It can't, it can't hit you. I'm going to ask you to bow your head close your eyes in this room. And I'm going to ask you guys, maybe this illustration really meant a lot to you. Maybe these three points, the place, the purpose, and the identity, maybe these things are really speaking to you. If you get anything out of this message today, I want you to understand and hope that you get that you identify yourself in Jesus more than anything else. That you identify yourself with his word more than anything else. That you identify yourself with his love that doesn't change for you more than anything else. It'll make a huge difference in your life, I promise you. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Dino, that's me. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. I just want to pray for you. You say, Pastor that's me in this room. I'm struggling with an identity issue. I'm struggling with an identity crisis. I really want to be everything that God has called me to be. I'm struggling. No one looking around, please. Put your hand up. I I just want to pray with you. I just believe it's an amazing moment right here. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Thank you. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. I'm going to throw another invitation out here today, too. So you're here today, Pastor Dino, and you say, um, you know, not only am I still struggling with an identity issue, but, you know, I don't know that I know Christ the way you keep talking about it. Even for those of you watching online, you're saying, I don't know that I know Jesus the way you're talking about This Jesus that's loving, this Jesus that loves me unconditionally, this Jesus who died for me, I don't know that I know this Jesus the way you know him. And I want to know him today. Maybe you like me, you knew him religiously. You knew him in Sunday school, some fairy tale story. Never really quite understanding until I found out that Jesus really loves me. He really died for me. He really paid for my sin. I was going to hell and he paid the way for me when I received him. He saved me. Come on. I'm telling you, if you're here today, you say, I don't know Jesus that way and I want that assurance that when I leave planet earth that I will spend eternity with him forever if that's you here today I want to I want to come in agreement with you no one looking around it's just me I promise you put your hand nice and high I want to pray with you I want to pray with you alright let's all pray this together let's say Heavenly Father I believe your word is true Lord Jesus come into my heart I believe that you were raised from the dead to pay for my sin. I want to be saved from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Let me pray for those of you who raised your hands too for that identity issue. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for every hand that was raised, Lord, for the struggle and the identity. 
Lord, I just pray today that you would just do something special in their heart as a result of being in this service today. The Lord, that we would really understand how important it is to be better together. That we'd really understand that we'd walk in the true identity that you have called us to. We'll give you all the honor and the glory and praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said...